when you get to be our age, there's not a lot to be afraid of anymore. <laughs> there's, a, you know, you, you, you don't care what people think anymore. It's just, I wish that people could learn that lesson when they're younger, but uh, it, it's really not worth it to live someone else's life. Live your own life. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 211. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a beautiful conversation with Judy and Eldon. It's really inspiring how amazingly open they are and unashamed about talking about all sorts of things. Yeah, I think sort of the the tagline I think for this episode would be one of the quotes Judy has, which is your your life doesn't stop at age 60. Yeah. And they, you know, they've talked about like they've been married quite a few times between the two of them. And Alden was a minister for 20 years. And one day he just woke up and basically gave it up. And like they talk about previous relationships and, and what everything has looked like for them. And then how they've started navigating non-monogamy the last couple of years. And it's just it's it's an amazing conversation, and we're we're just really excited to get it out there. And so, thank you, Alden and Judy, for coming on, sharing your story, and being super vulnerable and open with us. Yes. Before we jump into the interview, we do have a couple of announcements. First up. A huge thank you to our Patreon community. We're so incredibly grateful for each and every one of you. If you're out there looking for community, we highly recommend checking it out. Uh, we have a monthly Q&A. We have ongoing uh, MeWe chat groups as well as men and women's groups. If you'd like more information, go check out our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button. Also listed there are all of the dates for the December calls. If you're looking for community, but the Patreon group doesn't seem like you, <laughs> we have a little less commitment than, yes. than the monthly $5. Yes. It would be the monthly virtual meet and greet. Right. The meet and greets. Come join us. So we're doing two of these each month now. Uh, we did two of them in November. We've got two of them coming up here in December. One of them is next Wednesday. Nope. Next Thursday. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. I just knew it was next week. On December 9th. Yes. That's the important thing. It's December 9th. And the next one after that is December 17th, which is the following Friday. Both of those are from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and they're open to anyone. So our requirement is that you need to be open-minded and non-judgmental to come and join the meet and greets. And be super awesome and fun. Oh, yeah. But that's just a given. If you're listening to this show, you're all of these things. So come and join us and the other people who have helped make these amazing events. We hope to see you there next week. To, and, to oh, sign up. To sign up. <laughs> How do, how do you get to be there next week, Emma? <laughs> to sign up, again, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, click on the Community Events tab, and there you'll find all of the information to sign up for the virtual meet and greets. While you're there, you can... There's also, other information, Emma. Yes, you'll also see <laughs> the in-person meet and greets. So we do have an in-person meet and greet scheduled right now for in New Orleans on February 7th. So you can sign up now for that. And we're working on additional events. They will be coming very soon. Uh, but we do have have one that is on the calendar. We know when it's happening. We know where it's happening. We just don't have all the details to announce yet, but it is going to be on February 12th in New Orleans. It is going to be at a, let's call it a private pool venue. Yes. That is intimate. It is clothing optional. It is a really, really awesome space. And we're super excited about this. It's going to be, uh, we're going to limit the number of people who can join us because, well, the space isn't that big. So it's going to be about 34 people plus Emma and me. Mm -hmm. And so if that's something that sounds interesting to you, if it sounds like an awesome weekend in New Orleans, plus a little bit of pool time and some awesome people for like a meet and greet, uh, head over to our website and sign up for our mailing list. We will be announcing the details on this in probably the next week or so. And if you're signed up for the mailing list, you will be one of the first people to know exactly what's going to happen and 
you'll have first shot at signing up. Yes. And it's pretty clear on our website where you can sign up for our mailing list. Just go check it out. Yes. And the last final thing is just a reminder. If you are getting out in the world and meeting people in person, we would highly recommend getting tested for STI so you can have informed conversations about your STI status and your partner's STI status confidently. Yes. The way Emma and I do this is we use a service called stdcheck.com. If you've listened to the show before, you know we use the service for the last few years. We love it. And it is fast, simple, easy, which are synonyms. It is affordable (laughs) and it's discreet. So if you're like a little bit anxious about getting tested for STIs because you don't want to have that weird conversation with your doctor or you think it might be super expensive, it's about $130. If you use the code, the, the links on our website, you save $10, you help support the show, and you don't have to have any uncomfortable conversations with anybody. Right. You just show up, they take your blood, they don't care what the hell it's for, <laughs> and they test you and you get your results in a day or two uh, emailed to you. Yes. Go check it out. You can find it in, I was just gonna say. in the resources tab <laughs> or in the show notes of this episode and every other episode we've published for the last three years. Yes, it's all there. It's pretty easy to find. And while you're on our website, please reach out to us. Let us know what you think of us, of the show. Let us know who you are, what your journey looks like. And perhaps you could join us today, tomorrow, next week. Like Judy and Eldon. Oh, for the effort to They could come on the yes. show. That's what I was trying to say. You can join <laughs> I us. thought you were talking about like joining the meet and greets or Patreon. Well, they or something. can do that too, but you can also come on the show and share your story. Judy just reached out to us uh, via email and we made it happen. So yes. we hope to hear from all of you and we hope you enjoy this conversation with Judy and Eldon. I'm going to stop talking. Yes, let's go. Let's go talk to them. Well, welcome to the show, Judy and Eldon. It's so nice to meet both of you, and we're excited to dive in and hear a little bit more about both of you. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, do you mind introducing yourselves uh, for the listeners, and then we'll we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, I'm Judy, and my husband is Eldon, and we are, I'm 60 years of age, and he is 73. And that was one thing that attracted me to maybe come on the show is because most of the podcasts I've listened to on your show are mostly people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I thought, well, maybe we need a more mature perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Just because we hadn't heard. I haven't listened to all 200 episodes, but I've listened to a lot of them. And I think... You can correct me if I'm wrong. We're probably the oldest people you've had on. <laughs> I believe so. so. I believe, uh, yeah, you're probably pretty close. I'm not, I'd have to go back and look, <laughs> but uh, you are right that we haven't had um, as much of a representation um, from an older crowd, I guess. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I understand that because it's hard for us to get people our age interested in what we're talking about here. We live in a building of, people who are over age 60 and we, in talking with people, try to get them interested in, you know, other relationships. And they're like, well, don't you have a wife? Don't you have a husband? I'm like, well, yeah, but that's not a problem. And they're like, well, we're not interested. We don't want to talk about it. (laughs) And so um, I, I wonder about these people. Do they think that just when you become 60, you just don't have sex anymore or you aren't interested in a relationship anymore? I mean, a lot of them, I think that's where they're at. And so I would like to reach out to those people and I'm going to be giving them the link to this to listen to <laughs> so that uh, they can realize you do, your life does not stop at age 60, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Well, we, we love that attitude and that approach. How, how long have you two been together? 10 years. Yes. 10, 10 years? Yes. We've been married 10 years in August. Ah, well, congratulations. congratulations. And both of us have been married before. I had been married twice before, and he had been married four times before, and none of those ever worked out. <laughs> and so um, that seems like that was not the answer. <laughs> uh, serial monogamy. <laughs> right. So, so previous to, to being together, had either of you practiced non-monogamy in any form? I had not, but he had. Um 
throughout his whole life, pretty much women have been throwing themselves at him. <laughs> it's kind of a joke. I had only been with my husband's and that was it. But he had had lots of sexual experiences and a lot of other relationships uh, during the past 20, 30 years or whatever. And so he had a lot more experience than I did with this. So um, when he sort of broached the subject of what do you think about this? Uh, well, actually, it came up as um, we have a lot of discussions about science and different things. And we have been talking about evolutionary biology and how, it, you know, maybe it's in our genes that we're not supposed to be monogamous. <laughs> and um, so he one day he decided to ask me, um, so if I had sex with someone else, would that offend you? And I said, well, it would depend on the situation, but I know I think probably that would be, I could get by with, with you doing that. <laughs> and um, did you have something to say about that? Well, yes. Uh, when I first started to talk to her about this, I thought, well, uh, this could be a divorce or it could be the opposite of a divorce. And it, it turned out to be the opposite. She uh, was extremely curious, and uh, she uh, went on the Internet, and she found all the answers that she could find. We did not know about the word. Uh, well, he, did, he didn't know about, he didn't know there was a word polyamory. He'd been doing it probably all his life, but didn't know there was a word for it. And um, I had heard it, but I didn't really know that much about it. So I did research. We watched some TED Talks. We read some articles and we found your podcast. And your podcast was one of those that we listened to a lot of that really, you know, gave us an idea of what was out there and what people were doing. And I said, well, yeah, I think that I could I think I could learn to like this. <laughs> and how, how long ago was that that, that you broached that conversation, Alden? That's only been a few months ago, hasn't it? About three months ago. More, more than that. His memory's not all that great. <laughs> a few, a few months ago. So and it's a relative. It's been relatively new to both to your relationship. Yeah, it's just been a few months, and um, but it's like it's something he had been into for a long time, and so he kind of put it on hold when we got married, which I kind of felt bad about, but I didn't know about it until he decided to start telling me all of his experiences. And so we spent many, many, many hours talking and um, telling all of our past relationships, all of our past sexual experiences, all of our thoughts and attitudes about a lot of different subjects. And um, it really came to a place of, you know, I guess I could call it an aphrodisiac because when you are become vulnerable with someone and you lay bare your soul and you're sharing all of your intimate thoughts, feelings, and things you thought you'd never share with anyone, that's sort of a bonding experience. And we just came to a point where we had shared everything we'd ever done or said or thought. And we still do. There's, we have no secrets, uh, anything like if we're even walking down the street and he sees a nice looking woman, he's free to say, Oh, boy, I'd sure like to get next to that lady, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, wouldn't that be great? And so we can talk about that stuff. Um, and it's very open and honest and that it's uh, caused us to be very closer than we've ever been. It's been the best thing we've ever done because we're closer now after starting this than we were before. Yeah, that's amazing. And and have have those conversations led to you two actually like taking the steps to make it happen or at this point, yes. is it still okay? Yeah. And what, yeah. what does that look like? Well, right now it just looks like dating other people. And so we tried a couple of websites, which was a total waste of money because we didn't ever really get anything out of them. And we just decided to join a, a local Facebook polyamory group for our city. And we joined that and we have met quite a few people through that group and have had more success through that group, meeting people that are like-minded than we did on any of the websites. You know, we would pay for the websites and then nobody would ever write us back. But uh, we've, I've had dates with people from the group and it's been really great. Um, he's had a little bit more trouble than I have, but I've, I have not had trouble finding dates. Well, I haven't had trouble. I just haven't put myself out. Yeah, he's not, even though this was really his idea, 
he's just not as much into getting out there and talking to people about it. And I said to him, you know, things are not going to change. It's not going to become mainstream until we come out of the closet and start talking about it. And just like for the LGBT community, when they started to come out of the closet and they said, we're here and we exist and we're not going to be ignored, then things started to change for their community. And so I think this has to happen for the polyamorous community as well. So I will talk to anybody who will listen about it, <laughs> but he's just really and truly, I will just talk to strangers about it, but he, he's a little bit more shy about talking to people about it. So I said, well, we're going to go out one day and I'll show you how it's done. I'll just, <laughs> the, the grocery store is a great place to get dates. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> because there's, you know, you could walk up to someone who's looking at the coffee and say, excuse me, I was looking for a good brand of coffee. Can you recommend one? And they'll tell you their opinion or whatever. And I said, I think they have that at Starbucks. Would you like to go over to Starbucks with me? And all of our grocery stores here have a Starbucks in them. And so let's go over to Starbucks and sit down and have some of that coffee. And so we would have a little mini date right there in the grocery store, you know? <laughs> and that, that's, so, that is, that's actually happened? Like that work? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I love so. it. I, I love the, I love the putting yourself out there and being bold. Like that's impressive. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah. Confidence is important. People can smell blood in the water. You know, if you are not confident and you're shy, uh, it's much different than if you just put yourself out there and talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And, and Alden on, on your side, you know, Judy mentioned that you have been, or you mentioned that you've been a little more apprehensive to put yourself out there. And, but it, it, like she said, like that, it was sort of your, your idea to bring this up. Like, are you able to talk a little bit about like why or what's causing your um, apprehension to kind of go for it? Yes. I, uh, religion. <laughs> <laughs> religion uh, I, w- I was a minister for 20 years and and uh, and one day I I've been struggling with depression a lot and one day in the bathroom in the morning when I was getting ready to go to work I just looked up at the ceiling and I said I don't believe there's anybody that hears my prayers and uh, so uh, with that I started getting out of religion and uh, but uh, I still find it very, very, very religious people. Uh, they have a hard time accepting my way of thinking because uh, uh, I, I have had uh, a number of women and I've had affairs and I've enjoyed them. Uh, not since I've been married to Judy, but in, with with wives before I. I would meet a, a woman and and she would be attracted to me and I would be attracted to her and uh, and we might have an an affair that that lasted a couple of years but um, religious people are not in favor of that they're very much against that type of behavior and so uh, I'm a little careful about who I say things to because I know that they will uh they will say some negative things and see i could really care less <laughs> and i i was also raised in a very conservative fundamentalist church and i gave that up as well and i really could care less what they think <laughs> and so that's why i i will shock i will shock people and i love to shock people i love to talk to them about things that i know make them uncomfortable cuz i sort of see that as my lot in life is to challenge your perceptions and so I don't mind making people uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I love the dichotomy between the two of you. I'm <laughs> like the approach to that. And I, I guess like, yeah. I understand too, like Alden, like you're saying, like, you know, obviously the religious community is not a fan of affairs, but also they're not a fan, right. Of being open and honest you know, and, and ethical about it with, you know, talking to your partner or other potential partners. That's true. And actually I made a podcast called Christian polyamory, which explains to people that there's nothing in the 
Bible. If you want to keep your Christian faith and still be polyamorous, you can, because there's nothing in the Bible that would preclude one from having an ethical non-monogamous relationship. Because if you read the whole Old Testament, everybody had more than one wife. (laughs) And, you know, King Solomon had a thousand wives and concubines. And so, you know what those concubines were for? Just for sex. And so how can they come along and say that that's wrong when that was clearly throughout the Bible how people lived? And so, you know, so I made a podcast about that for those people. (laughs) Right, right. And and I will admit, Emma and I are not as well versed on on the Bible. Emma may be more than me, but uh, yeah, I, I can understand the, the apprehension and the, and the fear. And like you said, if, if you were a minister for many, many years, like how ingrained that is to you. Yeah. To, to be yeah. able to yes. then just step out and say, well, I'm going to go for it and try to meet other people. And what's, what's interesting is you had done that but while married previously, and now that you're able to do that freely, it it sounds like that's almost more difficult. Well, uh, I think I just just want to be very, very careful and not do anything to offend Judy. Uh, That would be hard to do. And and there is a, there, there are women that we have talked about and that I have, gone to visit and uh, uh, there's one in fact now that I I would like very much to get to know her and know more about her uh, but um, these things take time uh, I, women uh, some women perhaps are anxious to have sex but but I would say most women want to get to know you want to know that they can trust you, that you will protect them and keep them safe. And uh, that takes, uh, that takes trust, trust and, and people talking to one another and uh, getting to know each other and getting to know that, uh, that, that they can trust each other. So that's, that's, it's a different, I think it's a difference between, what women need and what men need. For sure. A hundred percent. And it sounds like your approach is you want to be the most trustworthy person you can be when you're getting to know these women. And so it's not a, it's not a race for you. And that can take time, right? right. Yes. It right. Can. Yeah. right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, the ones that the barrier is the ones that we have talked to in our building We'd like to find someone that can visit with them in his in our building because there are days when I'm gone all day long and he gets lonely at home by himself. So he needs someone to come up and visit with him while I'm gone. <laughs> and so the ones that we have approached to try and do that, they're like, oh, no, I don't do the th- anything like that. I'll pray for you guys for your marriage. And I'm like, so then a few days later, we're happy and having a good time. And they see us and they go, oh, everything must have worked out. And we go, there was nothing wrong to begin with. Well, I don't know what is wrong with you guys. You know, uh, well, you wouldn't be looking around for someone else if everything was all right in your marriage. I'm like, no, you're absolutely wrong. I said, what is your favorite food? And they'll come up with something. They'll say steak. I'll say, Okay, so if you like steak, that means you should eat steak for every meal, every day for the rest of your life and not eat anything else because that would mean you don't really love steak. But if I want a little cheesecake every now and then, that doesn't mean I don't like steak. (laughs) Okay, so uh, if I want to have a few other boyfriends or whatever you want to call them, that doesn't mean I don't love my husband. (laughs) So um, trying to get across to them the concept that you're not... You're you're not cheating on your spouse. It's hard for them to understand. There's, there's no lying. No there's, lying. There's yeah. no distrust. There, everything is open and honest. And uh, and so when whenever we're going to see someone else, we we both know about it. And and uh, whenever she does go out and and have Starbucks with somebody, or I'm I'm very interested in what was said and what. Uh, what his reaction was, and uh, there's sometimes I want to call him and say, "Now, don't be afraid, partner." <laughs> <laughs> he was, he's always saying, "He's always saying, well, I'll call him up and tell him that, to do this," and I go, "No, please don't do that. 
I can handle this on my own. (laughs) 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 So. Yeah, that's amazing. And go ahead. I was going to say, you know, Eldon, I'm curious, what was your, um, I guess you said you, you brought this up to Judy a handful of months ago. What was your motivation for doing that? Like what, I guess, or the catalyst for doing that? Because it has, you've been together for 10 years and it's just now coming up, right? Yes. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what. I know exactly what it was. What was it? Okay, in 2016, he had prostate cancer and he had his prostate removed. And so, you know, that's pretty much the death knell for sex. <laughs> and so, um, so for about five years, we didn't do anything. And out of just respect for him. I never brought it up. I never talked about it because I figured, well, he can't. So I don't want him to make him feel bad. So we just never talked about it. Well, then he had a brain tumor and he had that removed. It was not cancerous, but it was just, it was pressing on his pituitary gland in his optic nerve. And he got some radiation treatments for that. Well, one of the side effects of that was that, you know, the pituitary gland tells all your other glands to make hormones. And so because he had that radiation treatment on the pituitary, he was now not making all the hormones he should. So his testosterone just tanked. And so um, I had suspected that his testosterone was too low because he was sleeping all the time and didn't have the energy to do anything. So I asked our doctor to test it. And she tested it. And a normal testosterone should be between 500 and 1,000. And his was two. <laughs> and she wow. said, I've never seen I've never seen anyone with a t- testosterone that low who's still alive, she said. So they started giving him the testosterone gel to rub on. And after a couple of months of rubbing that on, he started making some little comments to me that made me think he was feeling frisky. And then one day he said, well, do you want to go in the bedroom and fool around? And I go, well, I didn't think you could. And he goes, well, we can work something out. So... Um, I said, well, I guess if lesbians can have sex without a penis, so can we. So <laughs> so uh, we started experimenting with things and doing a lot of creative things we had never done before, which was really great. But that, I think, he then began, I think, to worry that I was not getting what I needed from him. And I think that was a catalyst for him to suggest, maybe you should get a boyfriend because maybe I can't provide what you need. And I assured him that was not the case, but that was sort of how it started. Yes, and as a matter of fact, after that, uh, we began to investigate the possibility of having a surgery that would restore my sexual abilities. And uh, and we have had that um, uh, scheduled now. It's scheduled for November the 1st. And uh, after the after November the first, uh, I will uh, be able to have be, an erection, be fully functional again, <laughs> and, and as she says, fully functional again. So uh, that is uh, something that is uh, kind of exciting in our lives. So, just for your listeners, if anyone experiences that, there are things that you can do, and there's a, a surgery you can get that's. One day, you don't even have to spend the night in the hospital, and they put in implants, and it just fixes the problem. So, And the uh, Medicare has, a, has a, a policy that, because this is neuroscience, that they, that they do cover the, pro, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the surgery. surgery. So yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm very happy with how things have turned out. Yeah, that's amazing. And it and it sounds too like for some time you you two have been able to enjoy sex while de-emphasizing the focus on like PIV, right? Like they, like you said, I was like, I figure we can work something out. Like you have all sorts of different ways to give and receive pleasure that that don't yes. necessarily require that. And I guess yes. how how I mean, if you're comfortable talking a little bit about that, sounds like Judy, you have no problem. But, <laughs> no, problem. Um, <laughs> no, no problem. I want. I want to tell you, it's the best sex I ever had. So, <laughs> well, go for it. Let's hear about it. Okay. Well, just I, I. What I tell him is, it's not his fault because this is the way evolution evolution did it. 
But evolution only cared about the man's pleasure because that's all that was required to get the seed planted in the womb was for the man to have pleasure. The evolution didn't care about the woman's pleasure. <laughs> and so I said to him, um, well, honestly, very honestly, I never had an orgasm with either of my previous two husbands because regular sex just doesn't do it for me. You have to get in there with some kind of tool or fingers or something to hit the right spot. And just regular sex never did it for me. So that's why I say this is the best sex of my life because it's hitting the right spot. <laughs> yeah, right. that's, that's huge. Oh, you know, we, bought, uh, we bought about three different... Uh, you don't have to go into too much detail on that, but we, we bought toys. We'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. And I love that, like you said, Judy, like this is the best sex you've ever had and and you don't need a penis for it. And I think I think that's just a fantastic message to put out there. So thank you for that. Right. There, there's so many ways to provide and give, to provide and receive pleasure. Right, yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so... I, I'm just, I don't know. I, I love this conversation. And <laughs> I guess, Eldon, on, on your side, like it sounds, you know, in the perspective was that you felt Judy wasn't getting something that you couldn't provide. And so you suggested this other alternative. But it, it also sounds like there's more to it than that. Then it's it's not just feeling inadequate. Um, in that way, like there's a desire on your end to meet other people and have connections and, and a desire on Judy's end to like meet and have connections beyond just sex. And it, it right. sounds like it's beyond just sex for the both of you. That's yes. right. That's correct. Right. If I had to describe what I would like, it would be kitchen table poly because I'd like to be able to invite someone over for dinner and play cards. And then they just spend the night, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that would be my, that would be sort of my ideal um, scenario. But we'll take whatever comes. How about right. on, how about on your end, Alden? Yes, uh, actually, that would be uh, if we could uh, if we could find a couple that um, that things could work out between uh, between the four of us. Uh, that would be that that would be the best thing I think that I could expect. That would be wonderful, but. Um, but that's hard to find, so we'll that's, just see that, how it goes. That may or may not happen. Uh, if I find someone that's interested in me and having a, re- a relationship with me, uh, that'll be great. Uh, if not, it'll be great. Whatever. It, it'll it'll be fine. Whatever. It's, it's all going to be good. Because so. in you know underneath it all, we have each other, and so it's not like. Oh, this relationship doesn't work out. You know, most people who are monogamous, if a relationship doesn't work out, they're just so despondent because now I don't have a relationship. Well, I always will have a relationship. So if any of these other relationships don't work out, I don't have to be too despondent (laughs) because, you know, we're still going to have each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. I, you know, Uh, and and I, I might say that, um, I, I was married for 22, 32, 37. I, I was probably married for 40 years to diff, uh, different women. My first wife I was married to for 22 years. Uh, and uh, it was very dissatisfying marriages. Uh, but I am the happiest married person now that I have ever been. And I am very, very, I enjoy our relationship, our, our ability to talk, our ability to be open and honest with each other. Uh, our, our relationship uh, just means everything to me and I've, I've very much enjoyed it. And uh, of course, I also want to have, have a friendship with, with other women, but uh our, our our relationship has been fantastic. That's all, all I can say. It's just it's been fantastic. Yeah, I love that. And and it's yeah, and it's all because I was uh, I finally said, well, I've got to tell her about my history and 
and talk to about about this stuff. By doing so, I opened a door that I did not know would would I did not know would be open. Uh, and she has been she's been wonderful, and she stepped through that door. And she's been, you know, when I told her about my experiences in the past, she became extremely excited about what her experience could be. And uh, her her research and her looking and her dating and doing things has, has uh, really been wonderful for our relationship. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I think, you know, there's... it. Just thank you for sharing all of that. Um, yeah, and were were you af- like for the were you afraid to share this with her, Alden? Like I imagine, like you said, like this is the best your relationship has ever been. But like to me, that's a super scary thing to broach. Like you said, this is either the divorce conversation or the best thing that'll ever happen to us, and that's a that's a that's a big leap. Yeah, it's vulnerable, right? Having sharing everything from your past is very vulnerable. Right. Yes. Uh, that's you're exactly right in, in your assumptions about what you uh, what you're saying here. Well, you know, he had two conditions after he um, got divorced from all those other wives and was alone for a while. He said, if I get married again, it's going to be to someone and they have to be two criteria. One is that she has to be not narrow minded about religion. And number two has to be a deep thinker. That was the two criteria. And I'm happy to report that I said those criteria. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so we, we have always talked about, we've always been open because we both came from very religious fundamentalist backgrounds. We both left that. And then uh, we actually met in the Unitarian Universalist Church because um, trying to get some kind of community and have some kind of like-minded people, we found the Unitarian Church is very open, and uh, you can be an atheist, an agnostic, a polyamorist, or whatever you want to be, and you can be a member there, and it's okay with everyone, and so that's where we met, and so um, so we have come a long way from being very conservative to very open, and so I don't know why he even worried that I was going to not be accepting, because we're already on the liberal end of everything, <laughs> So, uh, you know, there's very little that you could probably find that we could talk about that I would not be interested in talking about from a liberal perspective. And so I don't know why he was afraid, but anyway, I'm glad that he brought out, brought it out. <laughs> yeah. And I was curious, did like you hadn't broached all of the, the details, but had you two talked about like the previous affairs and infidelities or was that all new information in the last few months as well? Some of it was new, not all of it. I knew about some of the things. Okay. He had shared some of them, but I don't know why he didn't feel like he could share all of them. Um, I asked him to count up and tell me how many people he think he slept with in his life. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and um, he could only estimate maybe between 15 and 20. But for me, see, I had not had any of that experience when I was, I, I was very disillusioned because when I was, after I got out of high school and I went to co- four years of college, that was the best I ever looked in my whole life, those four years of college. And I got zero dates those whole four years. And that's because I was shy, a little bit introverted. I was not, didn't have self-confidence, not like, I would never have talked about any of these things that I'm talking with you about today back then. So I had zero, zero experience with people asking me out. Every, every um, relationship I've ever had, I had to initiate. But after I initiated it, it always went well. But it's just that I didn't have the experience that he had of these women just falling all over him. And even when he was a minister, people in his churches, <laughs> women in his churches would even make it clear to him that they were willing to have sex with him. So, but I never had that experience. So, um, something's telling me these church people aren't as religious, uh, as they want (laughs) us to think they are. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, there's no such thing as we're the good people and you're the bad people. No, this is just, they all do. We're all people. We're nothing new is under the sun. There's nothing new. We're all the same. 
they just want to cover up that they're the same as we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, the, I, I'll step away from that one, but. <laughs> I, I, I won't. I, I, I hear you. <laughs> well, well I'm, this is a little prejudice on my part, but I'm going to say it. Good Christians are good at hiding. Yeah. And we could say a lot more about that, but we'll leave them. You know, Fair. They, <laughs> Fair enough. They, they, you know, they don't they don't reveal the lives that they actually live. Right. Uh, that's the reason you have so many politicians that get in trouble, so many ministers that get in trouble. Because they're just human like the rest because of us. They're actually human beings and uh when the world finds out that they're human, then the world is is religious and the world is condemning. And so it's uh, it's good. It's good whenever things become open and honest and truthful. Right. Yeah. And I think, too, the the ability right on, on your and Judy to say, yeah, there were things that were hidden from me, but like, again, Eldon's just a human who was afraid to tell me like the, the empathy there to say, like, we're here now, we're being honest now, like, that's what's important, not that, right. we, that there was something for, you know, eight or nine years before that. Right. I mean, I totally understand people being afraid to share those things, because of course, the world tells us that, you know, that's a terrible thing to do but i don't think it's terrible i think and i've had conversations with people who disagree with me but i do think there's something genetic in our genes that makes us want to be polyamorous um and that basically monogamy and this is just my opinion monogamy arose back when we were hunter gatherers nomadic groups of hunter gatherers running around you know the countryside um Nobody told anybody who they could or couldn't sleep with. If you wanted to sleep with someone, you did. And um, Then along came someone who said, well, I don't want to share my mate. And so I think monogamy was born more out of jealousy and um, possessiveness than it was out of anything positive. And so uh, basically the Romans are the ones that popularized monogamy two to 3,000 years ago. And it was not for spiritual reasons. It was for social and economic reasons. Uh, and, uh, so I don't really see monogamy as a very positive thing. I think it was born out of our most negative feelings. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the polyamory is in our genes. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's exciting that the two of you have come to a place where you're not afraid of it anymore and you're, you're kind of just going after it. Right. Oh, oh Yeah. Well, when you get to be our age, there's not a lot to be afraid of anymore. <laughs> there's, a, you know, you, you, you don't care what people think anymore. It's just, I wish that people could learn that lesson when they're younger, but uh, it, it's really not worth it to live someone else's life. Live your own life. Yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to ask both of you is it's, it's clear that the last few months have been we'll just say like the last five, six months have been very different in your relationship from the previous um, years. How have you seen each other change and grow over these last few months? Wow. You know what? Um, after the time that we uh, got together and started uh, doing sexual things together, Judy started writing me uh, emails that I, over the past 10 years, I've never received anything like that. But she, <laughs> she wrote a, an email talking about how much she loved me and how much she enjoyed me and how much she was thrilled to have my body. And <laughs> I mean, it was just uh, romantic. And uh, so you talk about a difference that that was the main, that's the main difference is that uh, she she suddenly was truly in love with me and that and that was a that was very unusual well i have to say when a while ago when i said that being open and honest and having that open communication was an aphrodisiac 
That's what I meant because um, that this is something that it, it, something magical happened, and I can't explain it. Um, that I would be out running errands and driving in the car, and suddenly we would say, "I'm going to go home and be with my husband." You know, I miss him. <laughs> and I didn't feel that way before. Um, it was sort of like once you have laid bare your soul and been vulnerable, and you—that's sort of a bonding thing that happens. Um, and I just, I, I would write him these emails at night after he would go to bed. I would write him these emails or these poems or just little notes. And, um, cause I mean, I just can't describe how different it felt. Um, the open and honest communication is so important and people don't have that in their daily lives. There's no one. Even people who are, are married or in a relationship often don't have that level of communication with their partner. And that's so important to, to having that intimacy. Right. Yeah. Right. That yeah. makes sense. Well, uh, no, I, I want to say that I told Judy this, and this is the truth. I, I've never slept with anyone. I mean, I've never had sex with anyone except her. Since we've been married. Yet, but not that he's not willing. We just he just no. hasn't had the opportunity yet. But so ladies, if you're listening, <laughs> if you give us a call. <laughs> anyway, but, I'm joking, but, but not but not really. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Elden. What what were you were you finishing what you were going to say, or was there more to it? <laughs> yes, I, I I wanted you to know that I had not had an affair or or cheated on Judy in any way. Uh, I, I had on my previous wives, but Judy was special, and I wanted to keep her. Uh, but I just felt like there was something missing in our relationship, and that's the reason I had the conversation with her and that's the reason all this is has broken out like a it's it's like a bomb that has gone off in our lives that is beautiful and wonderful and and uh, it's just it's just been fantastic but it wasn't something we planned on it just happened so that's all i can say yeah and I wanted to circle back and just ask Judy, like, how are there ways you've seen Eldon grow over the last six months as well? Well, he's he can be honest now. He doesn't have to be afraid to. We we actually do share every thought that comes into our head, and you know, so we'll get into bed at night and be just laying there, and I'll look over at him, and he'll be looking around, and I can tell he's thinking about something, and so I'll just say, "Well, what are you thinking about?" And so. Whatever he happens to be thinking about, he'll tell me whatever it is. There's no holes barred. So um, I've just seen him be willing to share anything and everything. And and we do that frequently. If one of us is sitting there and not talking, the other one will look at him and say, what are you thinking? And then we just spill whatever it is that we're thinking of, no matter what it is, um, good or bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we're we're not afraid now to share anything. And I really mean anything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for for sharing that. Um, another question I had, I guess, is was how you know you say you're pretty open. You're not you're not afraid of of being who you are and what other people think. Like how how open are you in your mm-hmm. friends friends and family and and how has that gone? Well, I am pretty open. Um, I don't have that much family. I'm an only child. All my, my parents and grandparents are all dead. I just have two sons from a previous marriage and they both know. Um, and I have only maybe one family member who's still alive that doesn't know, but she probably never will because she doesn't live near us and we don't have that much contact. So I'm, as far as friends go, I post about it on my Facebook page. I post about it all the time. If people don't know by now, they haven't been paying attention to my Facebook page. (laughs) Uh, He, on the other hand, uh, I agreed that when I post the link for this on my Facebook that I will block his family members because they don't know. Uh, Our friends friends of ours know, but his family members, he's afraid would be a little bit too 
judgy. So I've agreed to block them from saying it. <laughs> well, you don't have to. You oh, do, I don't have to? You don't have to do that. I uh, thought you said you wanted me to. Uh, I, I think that it's uh, maybe a little more important to be open and honest about life than... Okay. And I, and I think that perhaps uh, they need a little bit of force. Okay. <laughs> they need a little shaking up. Well, I can do yeah. that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess uh, there's no holes barred now. That, According to our previous conversation, I had agreed to block them, but I guess I'm not going to. Love it. <laughs> so, well, that's, a, that's amazing and, like, I think just brave. Yeah, um, yeah, that is. So I I give you both a lot of credit for that, and it's all part of normalizing it all. Yeah, yeah, it is. It absolutely is because nothing will change until it's you can talk about it. You know, it's the same thing with like say mental health. It used to be nobody talked about depression or bipolar disorder, and now everybody knows what those are. You know, there's no stigma attached to having those anymore. And it's all because it came into our national conversation. It became a household word to talk about those things. And uh, so it's got to be the same type of thing with this, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Ellen. Sorry. No, I, I said, yes. Yes. I agree with what Judy said. Right. Right. And, and I was curious, Judy, just, uh, maybe like logis some logistics on like you've had your your spontaneous grocery store starbucks <laughs> coffee date and and it's like and and it sounds like maybe some other dates as well like in your conversations it sounds like outside of people that are in your building that who who have been fairly closed minded to this like how have your conversations gone and like as you've you know somebody's willing enough to get coffee with you I'm guessing you've shared other things with them. Like, how has it been received and how, how have those conversations gone? Well, some good and some not so good, um, just like with anything. Um, they're curious about it. They're interested in it. But some, some people will say right off, well, I could never do that. Uh, but some people are more interested. And they'll, they'll, they'll go to a second date. Um, so... But mainly, I've had mo more success with people from the polyamory group in our city because sure. they're looking for they're looking for like minded people. And so, mainly, our social life now <laughs> consists of going to all these parties and uh, group meetings from the polyamory group because that's where we know people from that are that we can talk to about this. And so, um, you know, there's no shortage of people to talk to about it. Um, yeah. It is a little bit harder with people who are not of that mindset, but they're curious about it. I think that uh, deep down, they really do want to know about it, but they're just afraid that that's socially unacceptable. But, I mean, there there are people who will go on a second date and who will talk about it more. For sure. For sure. And I would just share some perspective on the grocery store incident because I'm, I'm I, I'd actually, <laughs> as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm remembering... Uh, a situation that happened to me uh, probably four or five years ago, I was at Costco buying wine and this lady was asking me like, Hey, what, what, what's a good wine? And I was like, well, I, you know, this one's pretty good. And she's like, Oh, well maybe we should get a bottle and go like, and <laughs> like, maybe we should get a bottle together. And I was so completely like caught off guard that I, I didn't know what to say or do. And like, I, by that point, Emma and I had been in an open relationship for five years. So it wasn't like it was un, unheard of or unacceptable. I was just so caught off guard that I didn't know how to respond. So um, there may be some element of that as well. Also, I'm just awkward in general. So that, <laughs> that I, I, I thought it was an amazing uh, tactic, but I, I think I was so taken back by it that I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate the boldness though. So uh, good on you for that. Yeah. It's the confidence. Confidence goes a long way you, and you can it, be confident, confident without being, uh, arrogant, maybe yeah. the best way. Right. So, right. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. Just feeling like, well, this is normal for me. And so why shouldn't you come and have coffee with me? I mean, right. it's, you know, no, we're not like doing anything we shouldn't be doing. We're just having coffee. Right. So exactly. Exactly. So anyway. Well, I have loved this conversation. It has been 
Absolutely incredible. And I'm, I'm so excited for where this adventure takes you. Like you're, you're a couple of months into something so exciting and I'm just really excited for you. And, and Judy, I know you have some work that you've been doing as well in podcasting and um, some, some other things. Would you be open to maybe giving us a little more information on those and where people can find that and what they can expect? Sure. So, um, so something we haven't talked about is I'm a plus size woman. And I noticed when we were going to a lot of these uh, polyamorous group meetings and parties and things that there were a lot of plus size women at the meetings or the parties. And I was like, well, I wonder what resources are out there for plus size women in the polyamory community. And I really didn't find that much, you know, there's general in general, there's stuff for plus size women, but just stuff that pertains to polyamory there's not that much. <laughs> and so um, I saw, thought, well, maybe I should interview some people that um, are polyamorous and plus size and even people who have a disability, maybe because I also have a disability and um, how those three things intersect. You know, it's hard enough to find a date when you're a normal person, <laughs> normal in quotes, but it's harder when you're polyamorous and it's even harder when you're plus size and polyamorous. And it's even harder when you're plus size polyamorous and have a disability. And so I thought, well, I think maybe, you know, interviewing some people who have done that would be helpful to people. So um, I do have a podcast that's called Plus Size Polyamory. And it's, uh, you can find it on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, you know, all of those. Or you can just go to PS Polyamory dot podbean.com that's p-o-d-b-e-a-n podbean.com yeah, we'll put links to everything in the show notes so people can find it so don't okay that. okay yeah okay and um so i have the podcast it's only got eight episodes so far but i'm excited to do more um so if you would like to be interviewed on my podcast or if you i was thinking of doing a book as well if I could get enough, you know, if people didn't want to be on the podcast, but they were willing to be in the book and have me change their names, that would be okay too. Um, because I just think there's not enough resources out there for people in that situation. Uh, so, so we talk about either polyamory by itself or being plus size by itself or polyamory and being plus size or, you know, however those three things intersect for you, I would like to hear your story. So amazing. And Thank you for that work. Like that's super powerful work. And yeah, it's amazing to get that out there. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you, um, you touch on a few things that I wanted to just, I guess, highlight before we before we let you go and give you the opportunity to talk about a little bit more. You know how how have you navigated uh, polyamory as you know as being plus size and having a disability? Are there <laughs> like how has that gone for you? <laughs> um, so I am upfront with people when I'm talking with them. Usually I talk with them first um, on the internet. And um, obviously if I'm in the grocery store with them, they can see what I look like. So there's, <laughs> right? there's, there, there's nothing to hide there. But, um, you know, so if I'm talking with them online, I'm upfront. And I, first of all, I say, hey, um, do you have a problem with age? I said, because I'm 60 years old. And does that bother you? And most people have said, no, age doesn't matter to me at all. And so far, all the people that I've dated have been in their 40s. So that's a very interesting dynamic. <laughs> um, so I'm upfront that how old I am. And I say, well, I'm also a plus size. Does that bother you? Because it does offend some people or bothers them. And they say, usually most people say at least the first when they're first talking to you, oh, no, no, that doesn't bother me. Whether they're really being truthful or not, I don't know. But that's usually what people say. Because maybe they don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't know. But, you know, so the ones that pass those two hurdles and are willing to go on a date to, to at least have coffee or something, then, you know, maybe you have a chance um, at something. <laughs> right. Because they they know up front. Um, and um, I have to admit, I also feel like I'm sort of the ambassador to the plus size community because if it it doesn't get talked about as much men that are plus size, you know, women get a lot of talk about how objectified they are in our society and how fat shaming and all of that. 
but we don't talk about that a lot for men. Right. So if I see, you know, a man that's got a few extra pounds, I might be more apt to go up to him and talk to him and just because I know how he feels and maybe not as much attention is paid to how men feel who are being, you know, fat shamed or whatever. So I have to admit that uh, I do often pay more attention to the ones that have a few extra pounds than the ones that are skinny because I figure they can find all the dates they want. (laughs) So, and as far as the disability part goes, you know, there are some things that I can't do. I have degenerative disc disease with sciatica and I have chronic kidney disease stage four and diabetes. So that's a lot. And um, so I have to tell them up front, look, we're not going to be going horseback riding or hiking, uh, but we can go to the movies and go out to eat and do lots of other things, just not things that are going to aggravate my, my condition. And most people are willing to, you know, if it's somebody who puts on their profile that they like hiking and, you know, all that sort of stuff, I probably wouldn't even try there because I'm not going to be able to do any of the things that they like to do. But most people, if they get to know you and they're interested in you as a person, they're going to find ways to do things with you that you can do. So, right. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of it, what, from what you're saying is about, you know, just in general, putting yourself out there, being open and transparent. Hey, this is who I am. And it's either you'll, you'll attract the people that will, um, that, that you want to by doing that. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. And I think, like you said, like the, the courage to be sort of unapologetically yourself and to be out there is, is huge. And that's, that's a really challenging thing to do. So I, I admire that. And thank you both for, for coming on the show and sharing everything. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you two wanted to make sure to get out into the world before we let you get along with your afternoon? Not that I'm aware of. I think we've talked about everything and I, I just appreciate your patience and kindness in, in working, uh, in doing the things that you've done. I've, I've enjoyed your, your, um, podcast podcast (laughs) in the past. We've listened to, we've sat in the living room and, listen to a number of them and uh we we've enjoyed hearing what you've had to say and we i uh also very much enjoy uh your relationship with each other i don't know if if it's that way whenever whenever you're not in public but uh you certainly (laughs) have a you have a good a good way of, of behaving with each other and that's good well, thank you. That's incredibly kind. Yeah. And we strive, we strive for it to be all the time. <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you both again um, for your honesty and openness and transparency. It's um, powerful. Yeah. And, and, and was there anything on duty on your end? Uh, nothing that's probably real important. I could, I could go on and on, but uh, <laughs> We've probably hit the basics. <laughs> well, and if and if you do go on and on, that's why you have your own podcast, right? And so people can <laughs> that's right. head over there and find it. And again, the links for everything will be in the show notes. So there will be no trouble finding that. And um, okay. we're, we're excited to get that out there. And congratulations on that work and on the new adventure you two are on. Yeah, thank you okay. so much. Thank you. Thank you. And we're back. A huge thank you to Judy and Eldon for reaching out to us, coming on, being vulnerable, and being so open with your story. We're so excited to get this out there. Yeah, a huge thank you. And a quick update. We got an email from Judy the other day. As you maybe remember, uh, they mentioned that Eldon was going to have a surgery at the end of the month that we recorded. So it was sometime in October, right at the end of October, early November, that uh, he was having a surgery to help restore his ability to get an erection after having uh, prostate cancer. And Judy was delighted to share that the surgery was a complete success and he has regained full, (laughs) (laughs) full capacity, full, he is, he is fully capable in all caps. So life is good. Uh, and the house of Judy and Eldon. So 
Thank you for sharing that. And we also wanted to just remind everybody that Judy has a couple of podcasts out there. One of them is called Plus Size Polyamory, and the other one is Christian Polyamory. Uh, Links will be in the show notes, as always. Please check that out if you were interested. Yes. And again, thank you to both of you uh, for coming on the show. A couple of quick reminders, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. There you can see podcast show notes for our guests. You can sign up for Patreon, all of the information there for the December calls. If you're looking for community, we'd love to have you try that out. And also we have our meet and greets coming up. So we have virtual meet and greets both on December 9th and December 17th. All the information and to sign up is on our website. And we have an in-person meet and greet in New Orleans on February 7th. To sign up for more information as we release upcoming dates, check sign up for our mailing list also on our website. And I think that's it. So next week, we have a Monday episode. Do, 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 do. Uh, we have a Monday episode with Luna. So come back and listen then. Yeah, we're super excited about that one. Thank you all. And we hope you have a rest, a wonderful rest of your week. And take care. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.